Hello friends, Denny Pruto here with another lesson giving my approach to sermon preparation. In this lesson I'm looking again at the idea of uh, preparing an outline. Uh, once you've studied the text and determined the main point of the text and then determined the uh, sermon point, the point that you want to get across uh, by preaching on the text, then it's time to put together an outline. The standard way to put a together an outline is to uh, have a topic or a theme and then a cluster of points that surround the theme and each point uh, goes back to the theme as indicated on the whiteboard. I'm utilizing Psalm 110 uh, once again as an example. Uh, my desire here is to answer the question, who is Jesus Christ? Uh, this would seem appropriate, uh, some preachers would say, because Psalm 110 does speak about Jesus Christ and the very various offices of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ. And so, I can answer uh, the question, who is Jesus Christ, by looking at the psalm. Uh, but here's a little caveat. If I approach the psalm in this way, I'm already superimposing an idea upon the psalm rather than letting the psalm speak for itself and uh, speak about uh, the Holy Spirit's desire in bringing forth the psalm. Uh, well, uh, let's go back to this idea of who is Jesus Christ. This is how we would approach the psalm. Uh, verse 1 speaks about Jesus Christ as uh, king of uh, his enemies and our enemies. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so Jesus Christ is king of uh, our enemies. Uh, verse 2, Jesus Christ is king of the nations. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter uh, from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Hmm, same word here, enemies. Well, I go down to verse 6 and I notice, he will judge among the nations. The idea of nations and enemies is parallel. And so I can say, Jesus Christ is king of the nation. But then Jesus Christ is also king of his people. Verse 3, your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power, in holy array from the womb of the dawn. Your youth are to you as the dew. Jesus Christ is king of his people, and his people will bow before him in the day of his power. But Jesus Christ is also uh, our eternal priest. Verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so I can preach about the fact that Jesus Christ is an eternal priest. But uh, this is not all. Uh, the psalm goes on to say that the Lord Jesus Christ is our judge. Verse 5, the Lord is at your right hand. Uh, he will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. 
He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. Yes, Jesus Christ is our judge. And finally, Jesus Christ is the victor. He is the king who judges victoriously. The final verse. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Uh, this is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ being satisfied uh, by accomplishing his work and lifting his head in thanksgiving uh, to the Father. And so uh, Psalm 110 uh, speaks about Jesus Christ. He is the king of our enemies. He is the king of nations. He is the king of his people. He is the eternal priest. He is our judge. And he is the victor over all. Well, this seems to be a very appropriate way of expounding Psalm 110. I remind you of the words of W.G.T. Shedd, who in his homiletics and pastoral theology says something like this. Most sermons are defective in unity of purpose and progress toward a single end more than anything else. In other words, sermons require two things, unity of purpose and progress toward a single end. Now you say, answering this question gives us unity of purpose. It may. It may. But as you look at uh, the topics that surround uh, the question, which derive, uh, the topics which derive from Psalm 110, uh, you can unfold each of these topics uh, as a separate sermon in themselves. You can talk about uh, Jesus Christ being the king of our enemies as a separate sermon. And so it is, uh, king of the nations, uh, king of his people, as an eternal priest, as a judge, and as a victor. It turns out that these are topics that are derived from uh, the text. And they are topics that uh, we see appropriately answer the question, who is Jesus Christ? So there may or may not be unity as we unfold each of these topics. In fact, there might be uh, a dispersion of thought uh, rather than a unity of thought as you unfold each one of these topics. And what is the progress toward which each of these topics is driving? What is it that you want accomplished in the hearts of the people in the congregation. Well, usually after we unfold uh, topics like this, we come to the end of the sermon, and I don't have it written here on the whiteboard, but we come to the end of the sermon and we look at our watch and we say, well, we just have a minute or two. Let's see how we can apply uh, what we've learned from the psalm uh, this morning. And uh, the application... Uh, becomes rather an afterthought uh, with regard to the exposition of the psalm, or I should say, the exposition of the topics. 
And that two things are lost, unity of purpose and progress toward a single end. This is why, this is why it's important for us to think about the idea of a sequential outline. An outline that moves from one thought to another thought and then comes to the sermon point, the homiletical point, you desire the people to grasp and actively respond to in your sermon. Too often, a sermon like this sets forth several teaching points, and then we say, very well, we're finished, thank you very much. Dismissed. But how are the people to respond? What's the central idea you want them to grasp from the message and to go away from the congregation with on their hearts? What point do you want them to go away with which is embedded in their hearts? And so, I suggest to you, go back and look at the previous lesson. It's a short lesson on the idea of a sequential sermon outline. Thanks for listening.